podcast about uh, absolutely nothing and i'm always joined by my uh, uh, my co-host kinipinso hola 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 example and today we have a guest uh, would you like to introduce yourself or would you like one of us to introduce you jeremy uh I'll let one of you surprise me okay kinipinso uh, right. this introduction oh. so today we have miss jeremy cr you might have and you can well you know jeremy cr is she's a musician um she's very popular uh, she's done a lot of songs with m studio she's uh, i would consider her a bpop idol at this point she's one of the uh, actors for for gangnam girls that's probably where you've seen her and yeah so this uh, welcome jeremy and we're very happy to have you we've actually had you on our radar for a while but we've Yeah, it's kind of been hard to get a hold of you the past few days. So, <laughs> but luckily nobody's moving anywhere these days. So. Yeah, with lockdown. We got it. So, hello, thanks thanks for Jimmy for joining us. I see you're in the in the back in the city lights in the middle of the middle of the Timpu town with skyscrapers apparently out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, what you been up to Jimmy mm-hmm. Danaba ever since lockdown started? Um mostly just trying to be sane because <laughs> uh mostly trying to set alarms wake up and eat and do things on time mm, and yeah. just um keep some consistent habits going so i don't totally lose it mm. i've being sane has been really difficult for me really? as well but thanks to mm. my friend here dorji dorji has been really helpful and you know he's really kept me uh, kept my sanity going so i actually understand being sane can be quite an issue during lockdown who's your friend doji you're talking about right now yeah how how is doji doji is right here he's behind me can't you see him he's like ah, here now i get it i'm always late with fucking jokes is that okay but in there but actually one big problem for me also is like keeping a good schedule no waking up on time mm-hmm. sleeping on time Mm-hmm. kind of have hard time with what, that as well what's what's your what's your morning routine like to me like what time do you get up what do you do like mm-hmm. everyone has to have some ritual happening at this point so i've been better uh the second half of the lockdown i've actually been getting up at around 9 a.m just freshening up um i'll do some tea contemplate and then make a to-do list and do what i can then watch my korean drama and sleep so not very exciting but mm. you seem to be falling in the same trap that all of us are you would think that during lockdown you would actually do a lot more productive things mm-hmm. but it's the exact opposite all the time it's yeah. very difficult to be productive that's right and it's kind of hard to uh, i'm a really social person So it's kind of hard to find motivation where um, when I'm alone. <laughs> What's how's your mornings been, Sai? What are you doing in the mornings? 
I don't wake up on mornings. I wake up in the afternoon. Really? Not really afternoon, but okay. Yeah, it is afternoon. I wake up around 12, 12 to 1, Bana. Because like, mm. I wake up... Uh, you, you see, I, I usually I would wake up around 9 and I'll check if there's emails or some work things to do, but then there's going to be nothing. So then I'll just sleep until 12. Yeah. Then I'll like eat my lunch and then I'll do whatever is required. But then it kind of fits in line because I'm trying intermittent fasting, you know. So I fast. My fast starts at one. So I'm like, ah, I'll wake up and eat. And then just wake up and do nothing. And I really enjoy sleep. So people say, you know, you sleep like 20 years of your life. It's like 20 years well spent. Yeah, I really love sleeping. Yeah. Nothing better for okay. you. I love it. You know, beauty sleep. I don't know if it's for beauty sleep or anything, but it's, I just like, you just wake up now and you have a delicious nap, you know, I don't know if you've experienced a delicious nap, but when you wake up and go back to sleep, that's the best sleep. Yeah. I can't do that. That's what, what it's called. Huh? What's it called? Minang Jimpofa. Yeah, Minang Jimpofa. I didn't know, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. Yeah. Delicious sleep, basically. No, I didn't know there was a term for that, yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know oh. if there is. It's just something I've said. <laughs> but it does sound nice, because, like Minang Jimpo. I, I, did you guys ever have this happen to you? Like you know, sometimes you fall asleep in the afternoon, no? Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. I, I, so, I have a habit of waking up really early. I get up at around six to seven, Gibana, and then I make tea. I do all my work, whatever I need to do my morning rituals. And sometimes what happens is I fall asleep at two in the afternoon and I'll wake up at five. Mm. I have the worst case of existential crisis when I wake up at, at that point because that nap completely throws my sanity off. Mm. I'll wake up, I'll literally be like, where am I? Who am I? What is going on? Yeah, I tend to wake up angry as well. That's, yeah, I get, I get really irritated when I've taken a nap and I get up in the afternoon. Yeah, but that's not a nap, no, that's actual sleep. When it's more than an hour, then it's a, it becomes like you mm. follow under, I think, REM sleep. No, not really REM, yeah. but then like light, light sleep. So I, I, mm. I heard that uh, there, was, there was this video on Vox, there's a channel called Vox on YouTube. Yeah. They, so they were telling about, you know, sleepy pattern. So if you don't actually sleep without an alarm, no, you wake up without alarm, it's very healthy, brother. But uh, mm. uh, it, it will change your, what do you call, your workflow. So usually they say around, if you wake up at around 8 a.m., usually around the afternoon between 3 to 4 to 5 p.m., that is where you're most productive lower there. So mm-hmm. it, depending on what time you wake up and what time you sleep, uh, after a certain period of hours, you, know, you get that good window where you're most productive lower there. So people who tend to work at the night, you know, they probably must be waking up quite you know, later. You know, mm-hmm. so something like that. So people get used to that productive hour lower day. And for me, I feel like I like mornings. I really like mornings, but I just hate to wake up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. No, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes I stay up till 6 a.m. I hear the birds chirping and I see the nice dawn breaking and I'm like, ah, okay, good night, everyone. <laughs> this time to sleep. <laughs> This is um, in in Calcutta. It's amazing, but in Calcutta, at one p.m. exactly, mm. all the suburbs, shopkeepers will close, vegetable vendors will go home, and from one p.m. to six p.m. they will sleep every day. Why one p.m. to six p.m.? 
because it's really hot and you do not want to be operating around that time. But I don't know if that's the reason. That's one reason that somebody told me. But every day without fail, exactly at 1 p.m., everything will close, except maybe the main city area, but like where we were living or where you're living in the suburbs, no? Even like vegetable vendors will close down and they will sleep for five hours. But won't that be like prime lunch hour? Everyone's sleeping if you're in the suburbs. Okay, I don't know. Some food for thought. But then, then again, even in wintertime, or wintertime, won't it be a little less hot? They still sleep. Okay, maybe, they, but they're awake all night maybe, right? Selling stuff. Up till 10, 11. And oh, wow. That's a really weird kind of... I want to go to Dendra in Calcutta. Yeah, in Calcutta is like, um, like, I love Calcutta and it's probably my, because I've lived there for five years, but like, I love Calcutta. It's one of my favorite places and it's cheap. It's one of the best places to live. You know, food is really cheap. Food's mm -hmm. good. Nice. Rent, rent is cheap as well. If you're living in the suburb areas, like if you're comparing it to Delhi and stuff, then my God. But um, anyway, so yeah, Gangnam Girls recently went to the Nepal Film Festival, right, Jeremy? Yes. It got picked up for Nepal. Mm -hmm. So congratulations on that. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the Gangnam Girls experience. Uh, so I never thought I'd be acting ever. Mm. Uh, I think when I did my first music videos, I realized I actually enjoyed it. Mm. Mm. But I didn't think I would ever be in a movie, <clears throat> especially because of um, beauty standards in ah, Bhutan. Okay. I never thought I'd be in a movie in Bhutan because there's just a specific look that... The kitty um, looks, yeah. Yeah, to fit the role, there's... There are nuances of one specific look, uh, so I, I never thought I'd be doing it here, but I, I'm so grateful to Samu for um, starting up something that's totally different from anything we've ever had, and for Jeremy for thinking of real characters. Like, so the Gangnam Girls are four girls that I think a lot of people can relate to at least one of them. So these are real characters, they're not perfect um, Kitties, they're not, uh, you know, there's nothing too glamorous about it. These are just, it's just sort Flawed of. Yeah. How, how, how did you uh, get incasted, by the way? So, uh, our director met all of us at different restaurants and bars. <laughs> and, and then just came up to us and said, Oh my God, you are this. So, uh, I met Sammy when I was having dinner and she was just came up to me. Oh, that's such, such a... And I was like, okay. Yeah, that's such a very that's a good school story, yeah, Mo. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought there would be some, yeah. like, I thought she would know you prior to casting, and then she's like, oh, I think I know some. I think I know someone who I can cast for this role, Snow Didi. But then she just... I mean, yeah. I mean we've, we've known each other, okay. uh, or we've known of each other as well, but mm. we never really, like, um, I think we became close after the movie. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, apart from Ajim Sede, I think, are you guys all the first time, first timers, right? Acting? Uh, yes, but Kel Kelly had a role in uh, Putney's film before. Mm, okay. Yeah, but mm. Okay, all right. Well, I have to say, though, the acting is really good. I did enjoy yours, your acting. I like that it's not 
the typical you know you know where i'm going with mm-hmm. you you understand what i mean by the typical mm-hmm. even the language is something that I, i think one thing that i've always struggled with with bhutanese movies is the language that That's it true. doesn't seem relatable and i love it when the language is relatable mm-hmm. i mean because nobody really talks like that in real life but on the other hand there are people who would prefer like a pure zongkha correct um kind of yeah, dialogue yeah, yeah. yeah i get i guess for us to deliver that was the most easy and effective way mm. i mean it's more important to get the message across no than mm-hmm. how well you said it it's more like what did you say rather than how well you said it mm-hmm. oh, i think there's audience for everybody you know there are films which are for yeah, people who want to watch very culturally accurate you know zongkha nyakchang mm-hmm. and there's some people like maybe like more like us who are in this uh, newer demographic who wants to watch something more relatable mm-hmm. so i think mm-hmm. we fall under this category because i remember yeah. last time when we shared uh, one of the sketch of our sketches of our, our show on uh, facebook and there was a comment saying that uh, yeah it was interesting but i just don't like how they are speaking zonglish and saying kuzu 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 is not actually a word or like someone was typing in full zonka comment like so shen khal hap rang kha ja so and so you know like stereotypical uncle kind of quotes so i'm saying like i think they are there they are like what you call content for those kind of people but yeah. for, for i think the uh, the gangnam girls was actually for this kind of a newer audience which thought that i mean at the same time it's i mean it's like you said there are two there are always different kinds of content right like there's always going to be different modes of con- communication and people are allowed to like what they like i just don't like that they a lot of them demand that it should be in that way like theirs should be the taste that you know a lot of them have to be they're very aggressive about that opinion Yeah, I that that I think in in any yeah. any form then you can get this kind of what yeah. extreme yeah that's what i'm saying these any aggressive time. opinions is but i don't know if i'm right or wrong but before somewhere and before covid like the majority of the audiences of you know typically bhutanese films were uh, gelong so gelong so a lot of gelong is what their target market lo i'm not sure if that is right but then again if you look at reality tv shows oh shit what happened Oh shit okay so I thought we got What? stuck there stuck for a minute there sorry so like I was saying, uh, like uh reality tv shows no like like voice of bhutan or rockstar is very popular they make a lot of money like considering a small economy mm-hmm. and it's all you know supporting mm-hmm. from the you know, people who like this culturally accurate you know the showcase of our culture mm-hmm. and songkha riksa beta jungda which majority of like people in the much the tempo maybe in the urban areas like paro and pinsting might not enjoy but then you can see the vast majority do enjoy this kind of stuff Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's all about balance. Um I I think people have to ultimately realize that if a culture doesn't adapt it goes extinct. So in order exactly. for culture to thrive and I'm sure every single Bhutanese wants their culture to thrive. We want to keep it going because it's 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 a beautiful culture. But but by you know um putting it in one small box and making sure it doesn't move is not going to sustain it far enough. I think one one good example would be you um like you did a better song right in a more bebopish manner Oh yeah that was for exercise Yeah but th- that's what I'm trying to say right it's a better song which has mm-hmm. been given a modern twist and that's mm-hmm. how you keep your culture and tradition relevant you know mm-hmm. Exactly But so maybe then, back in the day Yeah so maybe back in the day when it was sung 
in that way. Bhutanese people were singing it that way while herding cows and doing nothing. Mm. And now Bhutanese people go to the gym and work out. Yeah, so yeah. That's the song there and change it up. So it's all yeah, about yeah. adapting. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of a good way of putting it also, yeah. Mm. But then, you know, the old timers will always like the, their way. We'll like it our way, you know. Yeah. But that's, and maybe we'll be the I same mean, even, <laughs> Maybe, yeah, it's maybe you know, be 20 years, like back in my day, you know, we yeah. had nice B-pop. What is this bullshit, you know, computer yeah. music, you know? <laughs> Probably. I mean, I, I, I sometimes, I catch myself doing that a few times and I have to remind myself that I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Kine, mm. Kine is a very strict metalhead. Yeah. No, not the metalhead thing. What? More about certain things that are happening yeah. with the current, uh, with younger people, which I don't understand. And I have to remind myself that what I did when I was in my teen years, my parents did not understand either. So I have to give them that empathy just as much as I got it from my parents. Yeah. But it's a repetitive circle, no? Like I was watching, like, I wasn't watching, but I remember I watched a movie about like Elvis give documentary or something. And then when he, when he first came to prominence, you know, there was no one who sounded like him, no. And then the parents back in the 50s were like, this is the devil's music. You can't listen to the devil's music. How can he say he wants to hold your hand? That means... How dare he, you know, like, so there's always like, there was always like rebellious, you know, like something or music or whatever back, it always existed, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but luckily That's we don't have very really rebellious music in Bhutan, I mean, no It's slowly coming up now. I'm kind of happy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they are pop, in terms of pop, yeah, I really enjoy B-pop now. I have like a whole playlist on YouTube and I keep like mm-hmm. listening. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm not listening because I want to keep the culture alive and shit. I genuinely enjoy, you know, listening to it. Mm-hmm. And then, so, which so good thing, which, yeah, I love skill, eh? Yeah, I was about to say, speaking of which, is Jumi working on any new music? Yeah. Oh, yes, I am. Uh, I'm working on my next original. Ooh. And uh, for the first time, this is an original not written by me. So, it's, it's written by... Um, I mean, oh, it's not an, uh, yeah, so it's, this song was written by uh, a friend from Gangnam Girls. So she she was our um, makeup artist. So she Whoa. wrote some nice lyrics. Whoa, and I got, from, yeah, and I got the music from uh, a friend, Uginzi Music. Okay. So this is something that has, has come to me and I got the opportunity to sing on it. But Whoa. yeah, it's. It's totally different from my style. They're both, they really like anime, both of them. So you oh, kind of hear that in the song. Mm. Uh, so it's like a pop ballad in China. Yes, and okay. uh, it's in Shashop in English. Okay, cool. Up nice. And have you done? Have you done the whole production, or is it like on process? Uh, uh, the song is done. We're going to work on the video soon. Mm, cool, cool, cool. Any, 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 any. Could you, do you think you can give us like a snippet teaser right now? Uh, if you have you, a song, do you? Do you want to listen to it? Yeah, why not? Exclusive. Not the, like, like, exclusive Cypher. Jirmisiyar's latest Shashwapa Tsangla Shabda. Yes. That's What's good. it called though? Ogade Nibu. Where are you? Oh, oh. Where are you? There's... Boy. Is Wherever me. you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um. Um, she's speaking Japanese. Mm. 
Oh, it's on your phone. Okay, we Can you hear? Yeah, yeah. Play the oh, chorus, okay. go on TikTok, and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a very anime vibe too. Anime vibe. Yeah. It's got the anime like you know opening, uh, closing. Opening. I was thinking more closing. No, no, I was thinking more opening. Yeah, opening title. Okay. No, it works as an opening title if you're thinking of like a rom-com anime. Yeah. This, this is probably for me the the song that comes on when they're both running away hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's that works too. <laughs> Definitely uh, not something you would hear on Attack on Titan, though. <laughs> Your name kind of vibe, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Kimi, Kimi Noah. Did you guys watch that? Yes. You know, I've never watched it. I've just heard so much about it that I know. No, I, why I enjoy watching that movie is I watched it in Japan only, and in the train lines they were using. I was using it also. I was like, oh shit! I was using those. Mm. Very accurate to how it looks like, yeah. Mm. Amazing. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to this one. Which one? This music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds very new. Yeah. And Jeremy, you, the thing is, you have a very international kind of voice here. Yeah. Like if someone played any of your songs, if you sung it in English, I would, I would never think you were some a Bhutanese artist. Yeah. What do you, what oh, really? makes you think? What makes you think? You know, your sound is like that. Uh, I think because maybe because I have a deeper voice than most female artists. Mm-hmm. I think in Bhutan, Bhutan say there's only been a few others with lower voices. <clears throat> Normally, it's the sharp, very pretty tone that you yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, like most Bhutanese films always have that very high, like in the high upper register singing. Yeah, yeah. And I've been to um, film recordings where the music producer would literally ask me, like, "How how are you going to sing this? You are lower than the boy." Part. So. Mm. But yeah, yeah but so this is your sound. It makes you very distinctive. Like you can instantly recognize your voice. <laughs> but then, also, but does I'm, it come I'm, to production also? Nah. Like, when, when you sing it in like production, no. Do you design oh. it like a certain like dance, this like? Um, that really depends on what the client wants. So sometimes the client makes me write the lyrics fully, mm. compose the tune. Sometimes it's already ready. I just have to go there and sing. But I think that's when they get the most shocked because they do um, write it for quite a high voice. Oh, imagining that. I think like I've always like I, I've had this conversation with Jeremy a few times also, but I've always said that you like I love the fact that you have a lower register in your voice, which again, not something you would hear a lot of Bhutanese uh, singers doing, female singers doing. But at the same time, I've always, like, I know this kind of sounds a little, uh, from my part, like, I've always, like, loved, like, when you used to do covers of, like, a lot of, like, jazz singers, Adele, like, that mm-hmm. sort of genre has always, like, like, my head always hears you singing that stuff. 
Yeah, I, I think that's kind of, I've kind of lost that recently. Uh, I'm no, getting more into, but then I, I want to keep doing like all kinds of genres. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand that completely. No, but it's like the first time I heard you, I remember the first thing I told her was, I, I think it was that I would really love to hear you do something in jazz and blues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, Jimmy, like, what was the first song like you released like to M Studio? I think it was right M Studio Le Malera. Yes. So, what was the first so, song you released? The first time I ever recorded anything and released it was a. It was a live cover, though it wasn't mixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a live cover. Uh, I did it with Jamyang, Jamyang Rinchen. Yeah. Did the game. So it, it, shout it, out to Juno Studio, which, yes. which we're on right now. What are you doing? <laughs> you cannot shout out yes. to your studio when you're, when you're uploading it on the same channel. No, then subs- subscribe to Juno Studio there. Okay. Sorry. You were saying. <laughs> so yeah, it was a cover of um, "I Have Nothing" by Whitney Houston. Oh. So that was the first ever recording. I have nothing. I know that song. Yeah, I forgot how it goes. I have nothing, nothing. Mm. Ah, mm. I know the chorus part in the beginning, Michelle. But they always sing it on American Idol. I always find out. I always find it. Yeah, I heard it on X Factor first time. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, if you're going to like, if you're going to go to a singing show and you're going to audition, and Whitney Houston is a really strong song to start off with, because that woman had like really amazing songs and her vocal talents quite great so it yeah. sort of makes sense that you would try to sing that during an audition you know to already give the judges an idea of what sort of a singer you are to really wow them <laughs> how yeah. old were you when you did that uh i was 16 or 17 i just come back home so. okay right. come back home from where from australia oh, you're after living, high school you're living there or? Yeah. yeah i lived there for my high school no, so like how many? Four years? Yeah, for four years. Oh, okay. Which part? I didn't know. Fun fact. I lived in an Ika called Armadale. It's Armadale. literally a little town with like 20,000 people. Oh, so I Google it. Yeah. Let's Google it, it and find out. Spell it. Everyone's in Australia for some bloody reason. A R M I. Oh, like Armadale, like the animal? Armadale. I think that's Armadillo, the animal. Oh, Armadillo. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But close enough. <laughs> there are so many Bhutanese people living in Nika sides of uh, Australia. So, how was the, uh, what do you call the accent back, back there? Very typical Australian. Oh, so, uh, it, it, the people who live there have a different accent to those who live in the cities. Mm. These are like, suppose, yeah. like me, right? Oh. So, you call them Bergens, like Aussie Bergens. Mm. <laughs> Bergen, I was about to say Bergen. <laughs> I mean, of course, they are educated and. Um, very cool people there as well, but there there is a huge population of. Okay. So, so how, how come you don't have an you don't have an, any accent of Australian? Uh, Four years part there, but I thought at least a subtle bit of you know Australian twang. Oh, I, I, I really it tried. Can... I I I tried my best to um, extinguish it when I came back. So I, I was. So I, I came back, uh, I left my university down there and came back because I got a scholarship from RTC. So I was like, great, I don't have to pay for my fees. Amazing. So I came back. Um, and then I, I had a really strong accent because I worked in customer care oh. in Australia. So, I mean, I had to, uh, to work. <laughs> 
And then I came back and artisina lu. I think that's when I started getting noticed a lot for it, and wow. a lot of people getting annoyed by it. Oh, so you, so it's been it's been. Uh, so you had to work hard to make the thing work. Yeah. Away a little bit. I, oh. I so you did I have a little work. accent. I think I had a very strong, obnoxious, <laughs> not not the pretty ones, not the pretty kind of ones. Yeah. Can we get a little taste? I want I want to hear it. I want to. You know, mate. <laughs> oh wow, that's very strong. No, but that, that's very typical. No, like let's just say, uh, say like, hi, my name is Jeremy. I'm from Bhutan. Now, what's the accent? Hi, my name is Jeremy. I'm from Bhutan. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's yeah. very strong. Yeah. It's not as strong as Steve Irwin. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's not as strong as it was before, so I guess I would yeah. say worked hard and well not to irritate people with it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more. Like for you, it's understandable. You said four years there, no. But then if anyone comes around and starts talking like that, people like, what the fuck? No, but, yeah, yeah. No, but then I, I do get annoyed by accents, but I'm more annoyed by put on accents. Like, you yeah. know for a fact that this person does not speak like that actually, and that they're putting on an accent. Yeah. That annoys me more than somebody who's actually lived somewhere and has naturally picked up the accent. Yeah. Yeah, but we get a lot of Bhutanese people who like... Mm. Go to Australia. Really, no, not just that. Like, who's lived their whole mm. lives in Bhutan, but then oh, maybe, okay. like Zongkharalap or Shashurlap or whatever they want to speak with their friends. But then when they when they get the opportunity to speak English, maybe if they're drunk or not, then they'll have this accent no, all of a sudden. That's what the put-on accents, the, 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 you know for a fact that they don't talk like that and they're just doing it on purpose. That's more annoying. But I want like friends who has lived who lived a whole life in Bhutan, but then she's been consuming a lot of Western media. So when she speaks English, it sounds like she's, you know, she's brought up in like the US. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I had to learn it. Because when I was working on the phone, uh, when I was working in customer service, I literally could not communicate without putting on an Aussie accent. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think I, I started with like drive throughs at Burger Point. At, it's called Hamid Arts in Australia. So with all of that, I had to firstly learn how to speak like that, um, <laughs> make it a habit. And then I had to learn how to not speak like that. So That's interesting more. But yeah, I remember. Like, what was your name? Because usually with customer care, you'd have to change your name, no? If you if they think you can't pronounce your name. Oh, I, I never think I, I would always say Jurmi or Jur. Jur. Oh, okay. but, then then again, but then again, it's not a very hard name to pronounce. No, Jurmi. Kinleos is very easy. For me, it was very difficult everywhere I went. I had to pronounce my name. Yeah, that's true. My brother had your name. Has your name? So long, yeah. Had your name. Had your name. Not anymore. Not anymore. But I remember like even Austrian accent, like I'm okay with accents, but I cannot make an Australian accent. It must be very difficult now. Only thing I know how to say is uh, rise of light. That's all I know. Rise of lights. Rise of lights. Yeah. Rise of lights. Yeah, yeah, nah. <laughs> That's all the thing I know to say. I think I think Steve Steve Irwin was single-handedly responsible for the Australian accent stereotype. Actually, it's not just an accent. Also, um, it's it's a completely different language in itself. So uh, there's a lot of terminology that I couldn't understand when I first moved there. Okay, like so. That. Like um, make it chockers or chocker blocks. Oh, so what the hell does that, that mean? Means, that means like fill it up, fill it up to the top. Okay, and what's the historical uh, context? Why wouldn't that you? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I just didn't understand, and then I understood. <laughs> uh, and then there's also um, 
Chakayui. Oh, what is that? To do a U-turn. Chakayui. Wow. Oh, <laughs> Oh, I think it means like chaka means like slang, like take a U U-turn. Okay. Yeah, like check like, it out. Like, yeah, yeah, more like check yeah. a UE. Yeah, I, I get the like the context. There's a whole bloke, Sheila, all yeah. these words. Sheila, I know Sheila. I, I watch uh, Aussie <laughs> Man Reviews, no, you says the Sheila over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Sheila. Sheila's it's a woman. It's quite no? another world. Sheila is a woman. A bloke is a man. Uh, okay, bloke, yeah. And everything is short, like Macca's servo. Gone on the Barbie, do you use that? <laughs> um, I've never actually heard anyone say like put a shrimp on the Barbie, and so I, I, I think that one's actually an exaggerated myth. <laughs> I think that comes more from Western media. Probably How about Vegemite? Oh, Vegemite, no, no, Vegemite. I, I, had, I had some Australian friends who who. Use, uh, who had Vegemite in their kitchen. I tried it. I did not like it. So you're supposed to try the tiniest bit with butter in Mabate. Whereas maybe when I first tried it, I went in with a whole spoon. So it's scarred for life. I'll come at later seven thirty no more. Yeah, Kati, what happened? Ah, dinner Kati time. only seven thirty now. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. My, my my dinner time my house fluctuates. Sometimes it's six thirty, sometimes it's seven thirty. Then they always change. I haven't had dinner yet. But anyway, yeah. So um, now, what 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 are what are some what are some things you're working on besides the music, Jimmy? What are you planning like planning to have any projects in the works? Any new movies? Any new um, creative out creative endeavors? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I can I can't tell you a lot because I'm still working on it and I'm not sure. Okay. But I've started uh, my own thing finally. Uh, it's called YLM, Yalama oh, Studio. I saw like post oh, on, okay. on uh, Facebook and IG. So that's your your yeah. page word. Yeah. So it, yeah, it is. Okay. So for now, I'm just trying to work on building the page. But uh, I wanted to create a platform where Bhutanese people could just, especially Bhutanese youth, could just find. Um, relatable things. So something educational and fun for the mm. youth, especially for those in the urban areas. Mm, okay, okay. I think mm. our, our media, we really romanticize the rural experience and we represent all these stories and things, but real life um, fun stuff is mm. what I'm going for. So is it going to be a place where you want to make videos or is it going to share stories? What is it? Uh, it's just going to be all things that make you go yalama, whether Ooh. that's a, that's a happy yalama or a sad yalama. Okay. We've actually done videos so far. I've done a short one on our YouTube. Uh, it's about ASL, um, BSL, Putinese oh, sign language. Putinese sign language also. Yeah. So How I, do you I did doma? it. Doma. How do you say doma more? That's one word. About <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. There's a bit by Russell Peters like saying that uh, American Sign Language is very racist, no? Like when you say Mexican, this is the Mexican, no? Poncho. No, long, long mustache and poncho. Yeah. And then, the, and then this is how you say Julos. <laughs> Another one is this one. 
this I'm not sure this is true but in Russell Peter gives joke nice as like that but she BSL I just learned thank you but I think that's in every other yeah and I love you I think I know so this one and then clapping no clapping isn't this I love you yeah yeah and this is clapping no is this yeah this is clapping jazz hands so there's a video on that okay okay we'll, we'll plug that sorry go on Yeah. So, this yeah. like for now. So, is it like you're doing like you're not you're so you're making like proper videos and you're also doing like will you be doing like vlog content as well? Uh, yep. So, I think anything that falls under digital content will go there as long as um because I realize I I can't put my finger down on what exactly I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of things. Okay. So, nothing better than content. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so Julmi you mentioned that time before we started the pod that you're into gender studies more. Mm-hmm. So in college what did you what did you study in college? I did political science and sociology. So yeah, something to do with uh, gender studies. Yeah. So I remember last couple of weeks ago I think in Women's Day time you released a song no with with a Women's Day challenge or something like that. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of, kind of like enjoy the kind of like the it's kind of catchy what was it called? did you compose the song no no so uh the song was composed a long time ago by uh ajim d uh she's from m studio she does zomba zomba fitness so yeah ajim d is a very cool and empowered woman who has been the brain behind a lot of our videos and songs so she's she's like this silent assassin <laughs> so was it like she's a secret surprise or like she's a sampled, sampled version of that song what is it uh so we recorded the song a while back i think we never got around to posting it oh, okay. so i think last time now it was a very good time to post yeah, it on women 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 day time more yeah. now that was kind of catchy yeah. for especially yeah. good timing for women's day more Yes, I I think he's really good at um composing and writing. Okay, so even the other song like uh what was it for like the thing you guys did with uh, Sang Chopal and that uh uh what is that word? The Red Dot Challenge. No, the thing. Full of Bumthamata. Ah, that was ad for what? I forgot uh, the place. That was an ad for Ginzang. Ginzang. Yeah. So the, the, that song also is the thing no, it's an old song no. The Bumthamata. Uh, yeah, it's that part. Just yeah. the chorus. Yeah, so you sampled it, Memo, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I, I heard that song. Bef- just actually, while I was writing that song, I heard someone else sing it, mm. and then I thought I could yeah, just use good. one paragraph. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was kind of like, getting you to know. Like, I don't know if you, I think you should know because you're a musician. But then sampling is like kind of like, I haven't seen much sampling. You know, until I heard your song, then I remember like, oh, my mom told me like. This was an old song back in her time and she used to uh, grow when she was she grew up she heard that song over there and you, you kind of made it yeah. incorporated into a modern kind of context no so into that yeah. you need to get permission from the like the original composer and shit like that or just you can just do it uh normally i should but then at this point i couldn't find who the original composer was so <laughs> did it come forward after the song came out there Yeah so I mean normally if, even if I'm singing like the Shipem song on BBS or something like that I would get her permission. Okay. Uh for this one 
I just couldn't. So, but there is a line just before it that states that it's not written by me. It literally goes like, yeah. Yeah. But then now everyone in the comments like, why, why, why are you not wearing? Not a single Bumtang Mata was worn in this video. And I'm like, I literally said, nothing is sure. Like, so. Yeah. I just think like a yes. kind of episode of I think yeah, Cypod. No. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times. Thing yeah. What no, but that's that's what I that, that's what I mean again. You know, like that's how you keep your culture alive by incorporating it in modern ways, where people people then I'm sure a lot of people went back and looked for that song because it sort of triggered something in them that would be like, oh, I haven't heard this in a long time. And yeah. go back to the source, you know. And that's, I think that's the whole idea of how you make sure that your culture keeps going forward by adapting it with the times. Exactly. And that song is probably from the '90s, so it, I wouldn't yeah. really say it's a yeah. traditional song. Like, it has its, you can hear its regional influence like, yeah. from the songs in the region. <laughs> now, the next time you do a song for Genzang, you should add Pansi Kira Genmi Boom. Yeah. Oh. That's the that's 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 the next one you have to incorporate in there. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic one, also OG. Yeah, but then yes, it's nice that Jumi, you know, although she spent four years down under, no, she she still has a cultural kind of using the old school kind of uh, inspirations in the in her in her songs. So at least you yeah. keep the culture alive. And you should use no, no. some oh, yeah, uh, more old school stuff, you know, <laughs> like in like in the said, punk era, maybe like. My favorite one is like with me and Jamang and all these things is that Tuku Tuku Hai Tuku Tuku Oi I love that song uh, I think Yeah, Lepsh I think I was just watching Bhutanese movies for the first time when I was not in Bhutan and oh. then like I had the songbook all in Zongkha it's oh. all highlighted so I was learning songs from that songbook all in Zongkha I don't know who published it but yeah. yeah. And then another oh. one was like, Oi, Pumo, Oi. Oh, yeah. Hey, was it Oi? Was it Oi? Hey, or was it. I don't Oi, know. The it's Oi, Pumo, Oi. Pumo. Hey, man, yeah? Hey, I don't know. See, that's the thing. Hey. I've heard it as Hoi, Hoi. Hoi, Hoi. Hoi, Hoi. Well, it would be nice to hear the other thing. I. I, I don't know who, but somebody told me that it was uh, an Indian band that recorded the music for it. Or somebody from India played the bass for that song. Oh, cool. Yeah, so if you actually listen to that song, it's got a really groovy bass line to it. Mm. I love I love that song. Touch yeah. Rabke is iconic. <laughs> yeah. Classics. Yeah. And then there was, the, there was this... There was this one awkward music, like the song was really fun. The music video was awkward as hell because all of them are in a bar and they're just like, oh, eh, oh, eh, oh, eh. <laughs> oh, that was like, the classic, yeah. The song was really good. The video was weird. <laughs> well, like a couple of uh, last year, we were doing one of my friend's birthdays. We had a big speaker, no, it was in this place. And then, like, my friend was being the DJ. So I, I was like, let's stroll a bit. No, I was playing all his old songs. And I'm like, oi, boom, oi. And I thought I'd get a laugh. I'm last, everyone's turning up. Oh, yes! Yes, this song. And they're all like, you know, the nostalgia yeah. effect. Yeah, it's nostalgia. Because, I mean, even, um, uh, what's that? 
the avatar looking face was questionable but <laughs> it was really impressive no, but yeah but like i have to be honest like maybe when i was a kid i used to give it a lot of hell but then now when you think about it like much like how when i try to make my own music or whatever like when we try to do things we always want to do things which are new and different right yeah yeah so back in that time that was something that they were trying to do as well and yeah, i can't yeah. really like you know i i You have to res- yeah you have to respect that also. yeah exactly it's way ahead of its time so mm-hmm. but I, i did not i did not know it was called uh, adam zappel band and, until like sangit chopal told me no then i looked at the video again mm-hmm. and i realized they're all wearing red like marks in their adam apple yeah they've got yeah. so see the creativity and costume yeah. okay let's and then of music industry now let's talk about uh jurmis you know you being a musician So mm. now since 16 you've been singing Lomo and you must, must be probably doing gigs every now and then and maybe composing here and there. So mm-hmm. how's that as a you know like as a career wise has it been like you know sustainable I fruitful you know if not is it good as a you know like a side hustle and how has it been the experience for you? Um a lot of senior uh, artists told me when I first started singing mm-hmm. that this cannot be your full time job um you cannot make a living out of it so you can enjoy it but you always need another job to back it up mm-hmm. for some reason i haven't really found that accurate perhaps things have changed in the last few years um so i've always found that my music gave me more than any other job that i did um but at the same time i understand it's not a sustainable thing but yeah it, it's been fun because you learn you set your own rate you define your own market you write what you want you know you share a, a, a similar interest of music with the people you work with so it, it's it's yeah. much more rewarding i think it's more than just um, how much you get for it mm. but mm. even in terms of challenges i think it's more challenging than doing any other job 
okay, okay. So what do you see for the future of the Bhutanese music industry? What do you think is going to happen? I think if you look at the Bhutanese music industry, we have done, like we have outdone ourselves in every era. Um, if you listen to, you know, the really, we, we have like three different genres before bebop and rap and all of that even came in. And we've had people like Abdaupe who have been perfecting it for so long. Um, and then even in the King 80s... King Sanam who's like trying right now. Yeah, and even in the 80s and 90s, like every song that's come out has, it's just been so good for that time considering how much technology and resources we have. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm totally in love with the music industry in Bhutan and everything that's happening. It's so exciting, like all the rappers, the dancers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just think it'll get even better. Bhutanese youth are really talented. But I think they should mm-hmm. be a management team, because last time I was doing some, you know, uh, watching a video. So back in like in the Western music industry, People used to sell CDs, you know, hard copies of their music. That would make them the money lower there. Like, you can send like a million copies of their albums and make a lot of money. But now, uh, it has been, uh, you know, the streaming industry, Benigi. You, you get very little amount of songs you stream and people hardly buy, you know, albums of, you know, from iTunes and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Just buy that shit from either stream it on YouTube or on Spotify or whatever, you know, streaming service. People nowadays... And it's always pirate. People just download it easily off yeah, it's not yeah. like Hema, no where you couldn't where the internet wasn't that great where you could literally but now with yeah, what's happened yeah, i think if i could uh, if i could echo the voices of other artists right now especially the younger artists um the whole problem with not getting anything from you know the online platforms and from online streaming it's, it is problematic, but that's not even the main issue right now. Uh, I think firstly, we just need a lot of, uh, I think we just need proper policy in place and people to understand that you cannot own a reality show, which is making lots of money. Just play somebody's song, don't even ask them for permission. And not, True. Well. like, you cannot. Yeah, you can't just get your contest. Yeah, exactly. You can't. For the, the producers and the music contest. No, it's the it's it's also <laughs> like for example, um, karaoke bars in Timpu. They use yeah. a lot of Bhutanese music, but the artists don't see any money out of that. Exactly. Radio stations play a lot of artists Bhutanese artists music, but they don't see a mm-hmm. penny out of that. Yeah. But at the same time, we've become so used to that that if you suddenly implement rules like that, not everything will like just again. There's this chance of things just collapsing again. Because, so that's why I'm kind of saying let's yeah. start. Let's start with permission. Yeah, permission. Okay. Permission and credit. Uh, just you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just be yeah like, there should be some, you know, like yeah, some policies for that to be to be put on. So I'll work super hard on a song, uh, you know, have it out there. And then the anchor will just be like, the Luje Ani Dipuni Ila, Kadiche. Like, who is the Luje by Gagi Tente Mo, Kadivis also Mo, Kundu Diteka Ani Cheminova? So, personally, have any, any of your like songs that which you, you've uh, composed or you've, you've, you know, sang, been on these uh, reality TV shows and you've been sung oh, yeah. covered by other people? Uh, a lot of times, actually, even covering is okay. Like the 
is when you're literally playing that song and dancing on it or using it uh, in yeah. the background score um at least uh, you at least appreciate the name yeah or ask me if it's okay uh, but i i know it's a long way to get there so mm, okay i think it's important like copyright law. like i don't know how yeah but now i think samugi benidigi copyright is slowly sinking into people cuz recently samu took somebody to court no, for copyright infringement because they had uh, filmed something that was owned by Samu, mm. one of the movies, which was being licensed by Samu. So now this should sort of tell people like, you know, we've been so used to, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of the Bhutanese entertainment industry is a product of piracy. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, what I mean. So if suddenly, like, if we suddenly demand it to change, yeah, it'll exactly. collapse. But exactly. you have to like gradually bring it in and then get rid of the whole piracy thing, of course. But again, piracy to a level cannot be completely defeated because let's be honest: how many of us download movies off the internet and watch it more? Yeah, That's going to happen. It's a very, you know, Asian, South Asian, Indian, Bhutanese kind of thing. Because my friend, he in mm. Canada. He said he uses, you know, like torrents to download shit, like how we do mm. there. But they get warnings, you know. They they get like your IP address has been detected that you've been doing suspicious activity like that. If you do it yeah. again, we will, you know, we will, we will find you and we will find you like shit like that. So they don't. That's all the streaming services like Netflix and Disney Plus. Like they are very, you know, like nice because you can actually watch it for in a fair way, you know. While as for us, we don't give a yeah. shit whether it's Disney Plus or Netflix. You can find some. illegal site online and get it because there's no consequence yeah but like ani we i understand now that like you cannot just tell somebody who's been doing that all their life not to so for that kid who took samus content and for other people like yeah they have to learn at some point but i think the priority right now as an artist is um trying to ask people who are in the industry like you've been in this industry for you know twice my the whole time i've lived in this world so let us be the pioneers and kind of yeah i was just showing also last time i talked to him he was, he was mentioning that because he's also been yeah. a big part in the music industry also so mm-hmm. yeah i think you guys you know as a collectively you guys should make maybe make a union as a you know as a music artist and then try to get this thing pushed forward because you know just standing by i think we're not going to do much i'll be honest though say i've i've been at I've been to three or four meetings where there's been talk of this union being created. <laughs> it has it just somehow or the other somewhere it always seems to die out like it peters yeah, out right somewhere. You know like how the taxi drivers man these guys have a talk about somewhere. No unite the unite it's not that we don't want to unite and I think we should of course uh, unite like create uh, like uh, especially like now like especially people in the film industry people like who like in studio and all you know who mm-hmm. their livelihood is built around music you know so yeah they would definitely have to unite and stuff and i think now it's slowly coming up but i'm just saying that in the in the past decade in the past 10 years from 2010 to 2020 i have been to so many of these meetings <laughs> and it always peters out somewhere Yeah, I think with what M Studio is trying to do, uh, we're working closely with the DOIB to kind of weigh the um, opinions of other artists so that they can incorporate it in their policy. And then on at, at the grassroots um, ground level, we're just kind of bringing it up whenever we can, wherever we can, like how I am with this uh, 
Yeah, yeah, there were more than 500 yeah, yeah. people there. You all had like a full on like LED setup and everything also. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. um that was by DOIM. So yeah, I think like you know like see if that if it's successful in Timpuno and I think you do like multiple shows in Timpuno you can do one in the theater maybe one in Wide one in RTC and you go to like Zonkok to Zonkok. I think 500 yeah. you know people easy you can get for me Zonkok you know. No no. Theoretically I'm saying. Uh, I think if, if if all the artists come together and yeah, you guys need to unite you need unite you need a Zonkok leader yeah. Zonkok leader Zonkok learning then leader Chikovese. But so so far for us at M Studio, uh, Acho's always been very good at managing all of us and kind of guiding us through the process. Mm. It's it's kind of weird, but every time I meet Aochoing, we'll start talking about something, and it always inevitably goes into the route of copyright, into the yeah. route of 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 touring, into the like somehow or the other. Whenever I'm talking to Aochoing, we end up talking about everything we just spoke about right now. Yeah. Yeah, like we yeah. had this weird, un, we had this uncanny ability to just like go off on a tangent and reach this point somehow. I mean, that's what's on the back of our mind. So yeah, yeah, embassy. Like you know, like go perform for Bhutanese abroad, no, like Australia, US. Yeah. Perform for the, yeah. you know, like South Asia, South Indian, yeah. maybe in Nepali people might be watching your you know content. You know, more. Yeah. I mean, right now they already do do that, no? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. they do send Bhutanese artists to Australia, uh, but I don't, I don't see a lot of modern artists going. I think Misty Terrace was by far the most modern artist I saw who went to perform in Australia. Otherwise, it's mostly like the BFA singers, no? Isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Yes, move on. You, 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 you know, the, you guys have to, you know, have to be the pioneers now. They, they, they can be the trailblazers, but you have to be the thing now. The guys who take the torch and set a blaze. Right now. Okay. okay. Right now, right now, they more like in this current climate, like from your, you know, like music, like from composition to now you release it, and now whether it be from like performing here and there or selling your music by some producer so mm. how do you like where do you like you know get most like of your income from like in terms of music music wise uh i think so far for um team songs team songs yeah. ads okay. so marketing and music do really well together um, like jingles, and more. <clears throat> jingles and then adds really whatever you can do with the song and do with the video. Um, that's been good so far. How about it, like, uh, like the music videos you release, you know, like, like some will get a lot of views, you know, like, is there any like profitability as like that kind of like a YouTube music video kind of, is there a return on that? Um, I think for now, most artists work with the three or four really established videographers. Uh, it usually doesn't bounce and usually I don't think artists will. Every, I think everyone's clawing to get Ishil and Dupal, so. But I think, I think you know, like we had Rono on the uh, board a couple of months ago and then he, he did the same thing which we thought, no, like you hire the best guys but then you upload it in your channel, no. But I think what yeah. most artists they want is that the views, they 
want to be out there mm. and showcase maybe established channel. So yeah, so you would go for an established channel because it's more likely yeah. that your your song is going to get more recognition if it's on Yishil Hindu. Well, you're not going to get any. He's got a really good reach. Um, he, yeah, that's right. His channel can reach the whole region, uh, North yeah. India, Nepal. Yeah. In terms of the views, it might be the views are probably most likely monetized. No, right? In terms of artists, are they getting you know benefit from that? That's what I'm thinking. I'm this is sure. where contracts come into play. Yo. Yeah, I think some artists have their own channel channels. Um, like Miss Harris definitely has one. So these guys are probably doing it uh, in a very good way and making whatever they can for themselves. But I'm I'm not sure about the rest. Personally, for me, I've I've just only started a YouTube account with YLM. So, so I've never going forward. Are you going to release your music videos on your own channel, or are you going to? Yeah, upload it on the big ones. Uh, on my own channel. Okay. That's yeah. Good step forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Thank you for nurturing me. <laughs> I'm ready to clap. Yeah, yeah. But oh. you guys also like, yeah, there's like a lot of things to do. do and can you yeah. say something? No, no, no. no I was, I was like, I'm, I'm very grateful to all of these channels that I've been on. Mm. Um, and all the guidance I could get from all of them. So I think they're definitely like a launch pad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. That would become so good. But I'm really also amazed, like, in this, like, time span of, like, five years, music video has really, you know, leveled up in Bhutan. Yeah, and I think that goes to Ishtendo, people like Ishtendo, and um, also Jimmy Tenzing. Yeah, people are getting really creative with the music videos that they're trying they're trying to make. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, not just in terms of technicality, but also in terms of conceptualization. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we need now. That's what I'm saying. Your younger people are getting more creative. So hopefully, it doesn't it doesn't just stay with music videos. But hopefully, it goes into like documentaries, you know, series, yeah. uh, movies. I mean, even like Denker's Getaway, she has that mini doc, no? The mini documentary. Yeah. yeah. The Girl and the Nomad. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Girl and the Nomad. Yeah, even that's like, I think it's a relatively young. Um, uh, what do you call the, 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 the video maker? Cinematographer. Cinematographer, yeah. The yeah, it's a yeah, relatively yeah. young one. Yeah, yeah, they're all very good. And now it's like, it's you know, it's affordable to you know be a creator. Yeah, like most of the creators in Bhutan, if not nine hundred percent, all using their iPhones or their phones to vlog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Back yeah. In the day, I used to think, oh my God, if you want to make this, you need to get a nice camera, you need to get a nice lighting setup. But now you just need mm-hmm. a phone. You can just do all this stuff now, and there's a lot of yeah. so- editing software. So you can do that on your phone also if you like mm-hmm. have a laptop. And the softwares keep getting easier and easier. The apps. Easier. Yeah, Premiere Pro, which I use to edit. You guys can like literally it takes it one hour. You can learn all the basics to edit it. It's so it's easy. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, now we're getting too much into this this uh, music. Let's segue into something else. Let's talk about current affairs. What do you want? Okay. Hang on. Wait. Wait. <laughs> Do you realize that we went on this chat tangent after we asked Jurmi about 
what she wanted to study and she said gender studies and then after that we just yeah how did we end up here what is gender studies jeremy uh so i i i studied sociology and um just a little st- backstory uh in your final year, we're supposed to do a research um, on anything that falls under the umbrella of sociology. So I did my research on uh, transgender population in Bhutan and the challenges they face in terms of education, employment, and health. Mm-hmm. And I think the more interviews I did, the more I spoke to them, the more I realized that this is the subject I'm interested in. Just. Uh, just a lot of people, even in the highest of education, they are not aware that gender is literally an unlimited spectrum and you can be anywhere in between. Um, so, I, I, yeah, so do, do you believe that gender is a spectrum or do you think it's like it's divided into uh, two groups? I, I think it's a spectrum because I mean, there are so many people, uh, If you, even if you look at the animal kingdom, like there are so many different types of gender and sexual preferences. Um, and I don't understand. Like the ocelot that. that's asexual. Yeah. yeah, so there, and I can't understand all of it. I still can't, which is why I want to keep studying more. But I think <laughs> as long as you understand it, uh, yeah, yeah, I also am kind of interested in this kind of stuff. Also, I watch a lot of like people talk about this on like from both mm-hmm. sides. You know, in America, it's a hot topic. They have left leftist view, the right mm-hmm. view. And I watched a Dr. Phil also kind of documentary about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, there's only people on the right. There's one guy, a conservative person, who thinks like it's biologically you cannot be either a man or a female. No, you cannot be like that. Mm-hmm. There's some left people who think like it's a spectrum, like you say. You cannot, you, know, you cannot be you know, specified into one group. But then, yeah. it really, yeah, I, that's, I wish there was a way you can just concretely say, you know, like, you know, I think, I don't, I don't, I don't like it subjectively. It's not important to really know or say exactly what somebody is or what they might be doing. I think right now we first have to prioritize on advocating the fact that. Yeah. Everybody should be treated the same, no matter what they are. Yeah, that's right. Um, if you don't mind me cutting in here, um, in Dave Chappelle's, um, of course, he's known for making fun of everything. Not, it's just that he's he he makes fun of everything, right? And it's just that a lot of the really extreme LGBTQ community have sort of taken an issue with his jokes but he yeah. if you listen to his jokes he makes fun about everything and nobody seems to get pissed about the other stuff it's always that one particular thing yeah. but in his recent special he actually talks about his transgender friend who committed suicide because she she defended him no and mm-hmm. one thing that i really liked what she had said was when he said i don't understand you and she said i don't need you to understand me i just need you to know that i'm having a human experience yeah, exactly. Which I thought was exactly what it is, you know. It doesn't matter whether or not you understand that that person is this or that or whatever they say they are. It's more important to just be like, you're a human being at the end of the day. And much <clears throat> like myself, you want to be treated well. You exactly. want it to be treated with respect. I think in Bhutan, nobody's really like 
intentionally discriminatory like nobody's like kai che anzume and stuff you know like it comes from a place of ignorance yeah i mean okay i no comment on this more but anyway not, like, not touching I, the topic sorry sir <laughs> we're going to yeah. touch on that topic later no comment no comment uh, but i think if you are confused about what your identity might be then go for it explore there's a whole world uh, out there there are so many resources that will bring you closer if you don't care then cool just do what you're doing and if you're a policy maker know that there are a diversity of populations um groups in bhutan with various diverse needs that you should probably listen to i think that's all i want to do with my interest in gender studies yeah okay okay now regarding that right now in the hot news right now in the us athletic sports is this one the uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. the swimmer she, she's a trans uh, trans woman lisa uh, lisa lee something called something thomas or something i forgot must be butchering yeah. the name i forgot apologies yeah. anyone knows who they are but basically mm-hmm. this is a trans woman uh, is a man very uh, collegiate uh, swimmer very athlete, very high what is called fast swimmer it should be 16 men you know men's uh, swimming so she transitioned and she got allowed to participate in the college ki university high division 1 swimming race and she won i need to use the bathroom so basically mm-hmm. uh, you know what Sorry. people are saying is uh, how can you know a person who's been genetically biologically born and you compete with women no it's not fair because if you look at biological structure like of course men need to have a uh, stronger limbs more testosterone all this kind of stuff no so mm-hmm. i just want to know like since you you've got this topic about your thoughts on that like do you think mm-hmm. it's fair do you think like they should we should draw a line somewhere um i actually don't know much about sports at all so, or, or how that might work but uh, as somebody who's interested i'm just glad they're actually having a deliberation on it and working towards what might be more rational okay, so basically like, i'll just give you like the fast version it so sports na brothers like you cannot like imagine like a man fighting a woman manner because obviously let's say both are conditioned you know from the equally conditioned but yeah. just because of genetics it's a we have two what we call uh, hormones in our body you know once we're like 12 years old with a man or woman you get pumped into this kind of what we call uh, hormones so it's either estrogen or testosterone and testosterone is going to make you more uh, yeah. stronger going to build more muscle mass voice more you know horse going to grow mm-hmm. facial hair Okay. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I feel like if that trans woman had gone to compete with the men instead, um, she would still have less testosterone than the men. So it wouldn't be fair over there either. So the whole problem here, again, leads back to the source of all the problems, which I think is the binary and being so rigid on that. Um, if it's confusing, then we deliberate on it. start up a new category whatever but yeah i mean i think i i i would personally go with the idea that even in the olympics you have something called the paralympics no for exactly. people who are living with disability where they have their own sporting events you right trans olympics no, no just not just have to be trans olympics but uh, something that is inclusive and is much is just as um equal is just as equal where yeah. 
where you're not lobbed into these two categories. I think is what Jurmi is also basically. You are trying to create a system where there you only think of two categories, you don't think of more, then whether it's sports or music or any other industry or field out there, this kind of problem or um, contradiction will come up. So ultimately stray away from the idea of the binary. But then another thing in music actually, which I find like it could change by now is, you know, we have like best male singer, best female singer, best male album, best female. I don't think we should have that anymore. We should have we should just have best album or like best actor. We should have best yeah, female exactly. actor because in terms of sports, okay, you can divide like men's sports a certain degree different, women's sports certain degree different. But when it comes to singing, it's completely subjective. No, there's no like oh now he's a man, he's gonna sing ten times better than a woman. You know, it's not like it's gonna work like that. You know, also an acting man now. So a lot of uh, these categorizations, they just it just doesn't make sense. Uh, it's 2022, so. It's good that we're reflecting on it. <laughs> I personally think award shows should be done away with, in all honesty. <laughs> I sometimes like, I sometimes feel like award shows should be just done away with. Sometimes it's like pageants, no pageant. Yeah, it's 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 like it's like a it's like a pageant. It is a pageantry, and yeah, I get it. Like it is like you are sort of, and it's just my personal thing with it. It's I've never agreed with award shows. I think every now and then, yeah, it's kind of cool to see like a movie, you know, that you like getting an award and it sort of does validate you because you like something. But at the same time, when you really think about it, 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 it doesn't really, it's, it's, it's sort of meaningless in the grand scheme no, of things. Nice now. The ratings for like the Grammys and Oscars have been down for going, descending for years and years because now the people, you know, they don't want that kind of show. But back then when people used to exclusively just watch TV, used to generate a lot of views and then advertising money comes in. And blah blah blah. No, but now people mm. like. When was the last time you watched the Oscars? Then? I don't remember. I haven't, I haven't watched the Oscars even once. I just no. usually see the news the next day. I used to love it because I was such a movie buff. Now I want to see who won. But now it's become like an old thing. No. But I will be watching this year. Yeah. For... <laughs> this year is personal. It's a matter of personal pride, I suppose. <laughs> Most likely, I think it's going to be Japan to drive my car. He has won a lot of. Uh, he's got good reviews. But who knows? Never know. I hope we. Hope. It'll change. Uh, I think it'll bring a lot of change in uh, with, with how we look at cinema. Mm. Yeah. I mean, whether yeah, but we anyway, win, it's really brought us far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy, going back to you saying like you were studying the transgender population in Bhutan, I'm wondering if you're allowed to like tell us what you found in that. Oh yeah, so uh, I'm I'm allowed to share my findings. Obviously, not yes. the details. Uh, you don't have to yeah. give us names, people, and all that. Yeah. Uh, so I interviewed a few of them, uh, and then in different age groups, mm -hmm. uh, and then I explored challenges in education, health, and employment. Okay. So if we start with education, uh, not a single trans person that has gone to school in Bhutan has made it past high school. And that, that is actually because of, firstly, the structural uh, discrimination, which is literally the bathrooms, the, the hostels, um, all of the assaults, all of the bullying, uh, lack of education. There's been a lot of sexual assault as well in schools. Um, and also there's 
a lack of understanding from teachers. So I have heard from a few of my respondents that they were treated quite harshly, um, publicly, uh, like embarrassed in public, um, forced to do different things, forced to keep their hair long or cut their hair or what, you know, just literally like, yeah. So none of them have made it to college uh, and they all resort to whatever job they can find. So then that, yeah, and then that takes us to employment where the, the form itself, like where you have to tick whether you're male or female, that itself is a huge, um, you know, it's like, that's the first step of applying for a job and then you're already canceled out of that. Uh, so, and because none of them have gone to college, they can't get really good jobs. And um, a lot of them, whether it's in school or college, hate wearing, I mean, they can't wear a go or a kira if they don't associate as a male or a female. Uh, I mean, I, you can't make me go somewhere where you go, you know. So a lot of them resort to jobs where they can wear the clothes they prefer. So a lot of trans men, uh, they tr go to the military. They try to go to police, join police or army, but they can only get the lower ranks since they never finished. They couldn't go to training. Their high school wasn't well done. Uh, and then a lot of trans women work resort to working in dry youngs because that's the only place where they can put on a kira and feel pretty, you know, and do their do their thing. So yeah. like and dry youngs closing down, um, a lot of them have really struggled. Uh, and then in terms of health, oh my god, a lot of them couldn't even go visit the hospital because there was a lot of. Uh, I think this stigma, yeah, so most of them didn't go. Uh, and especially for trans women, um, they have literally been taking hormone pills acquired from Jaigong that yeah. that they don't know what, what, what it is or whether it's... Yeah, like not properly medically approved. Yeah. Right? Not prescribed and they have zero information on it. Now, after COVID and Jaigong's been closed off, um, a lot of them have been resorting to things contraceptive like pills. Contraceptives, yeah. So they don't know how it's affecting their body. They're not feeling very good. There's not really anybody they can talk to. But I heard talk recently to. that MOH is starting uh, more work, is doing more work on trans health. So it, it's just very difficult. And uh, no, nobody has, they all want to do surgery. A lot of them want to do the change, but no resources for it. So, yeah. So, like, what do you think is something which we can do, which is something yeah. that's doable? Sorry, I'll be back. Somebody's at my door. Okay. Okay. In my research, I've included uh, I've included certain recommendations, policy recommendations, directly targeted to the relevant ministries and you know to the relevant personnel out there firstly to make uh if it's possible for them to recognize trans individuals trans students um who are just not who are on the verge of school because they don't want to put on um can you mute me? yeah <laughs> all right great so yeah, um, 
In terms of education, I think I've literally just asked, allow them to wear gore kira of the uniform that they've chosen. Um, create enough awareness, just make sure that, just do something so that the student does not get bullied in the bathroom. I heard when trans men go to the girls' bathroom, everyone runs away like, ah! <laughs> and when the trans women go to the boys' bathroom, I think there there has been quite a few cases of assault. So just bathrooms. Yeah, like it's, 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 it's not much, just bathrooms. And then also if they could have incentives like scholarships and more for this population, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Kinle, I muted you because there was some background sound. You can can you unmute yourself? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Jimmy, All right. Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of employment, I've asked if they could um, also allow people to wear go or kira to the offices, whatever they want. And sometimes it's just that, and also to have some reservation for them. In all honesty, if you, if I don't understand what is so bad about what is the problem with somebody wearing the opposite gender's clothing. I mean, I can understand it would come as a shock. Yeah, it, it's very new. I feel so, like you know, if you if you're a, you know, let's say culturally, you know, if you're a man yeah. and you wear a kira rachu and you go to like say a zong, it feels kind of like you're disrespecting the cultures which is which all men are. Maybe that kind and, of context also. Yeah. But how does it how is that disrespecting? You're not wearing anything which isn't part of your culture. It's still part of your culture. It's your kira. It's your go. Just because the person who's wearing it that you think is because it's a man who's wearing a kira, because you perceive it as a man who's wearing a kira or a woman who's wearing a kira. How yeah, how how does that like what difference does that make? Like let's is it let's hear from yeah. Uh, I think as, as a researcher, I understand that um, as, as somebody who's studying this field, I understand that you can't just bring it up to a culture who hasn't experienced it and then be like, here you go, understand it. And then they'd be like, okay, like, that's not going to happen. So I think it's important that uh, what I'm doing with my research is literally just telling people, hey guys, this is what you think. This is what is happening. This is how this population is being affected. This is what you could do. Now it's up to you if you want to listen to me or not. But I have compiled the information and it's there. Okay, another thing. I think by like what you just said, I think the first thing we can do is actually kind of educate our educators that at least like these people yeah. let them complete high school. If you're saying what you're saying, no. No one is completing high school. It's, it's then that's like that's it's a really large number of yeah. people not completing high school. So at least do something, like at least educate the teachers to let them be treated or being protected. Now I don't mm -hmm. know about toilet thing because there could be another thing in, in terms of making a gender neutral toilet. Like another problem might be created by. Yeah, I mean, what to do is up to the pros yeah. to figure out. But, but but I think the main goal should be like getting you know people like uh, transgender community to finish high school at this thing, let them get to college, and after that then. Another opportunity comes up rather than right now we're trying to uh, solve people majority maximum using all of them are not you know uh, employable because they don't have a college uh, degree or skills to get to okay. so they have to resort to whatever happens no and they don't get the information whether to buy the right uh, health supplements to you know treat themselves so it becomes like exactly. I feel like if you educate them even the people the transgender people so and also the educators and if you get them to pass high school and get them to college. Then they'll be responsible enough to make their own decisions. 
So there are organizations uh, such as Queer Voices of Bhutan, Rainbow Bhutan. So these organizations are working towards um, kind of looking after this population. But at the same alongside with like Renew or NCWC or anything like that? Uh, I'm not sure who exactly they've partnered up with, but they're doing a lot of work with the government, I'm sure. Uh, but at the same time, like Kamchini, Bemiki Guria, and then any policy that they it all boils down to people and their attitudes. Policy is merely yeah. a reflection of ourselves. No, it's one thing about the teachers is that it's very like like my, my, like. See, when I was growing up, I have I had I had the. I had the joy of having parents who were super supportive, right? Mm. So a lot of the times, especially for a lot of transgender people, they don't get that support from the home. So you would expect that you would at least get that support from the teachers. But when both, for a lot of them, when both their homes and their teachers don't give them that support, I can understand how it yeah. can be a very, it can be a very like destructive effect on a child, you know. And especially like you're talking about school, you're not talking about like an eighteen. Not even the 20 year you're talking about kids who are like 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, from my respondents, there have been teachers who have been supportive. There have been, you know, like really good ones. But the stories of the opposite are just as harsh. Yeah. But it's like what you're saying, no, it was not enough for them to complete high school, which is, I think, very disheartening. No. Yeah. What if some None of them you're saying you research and complete high school. That's a, some statistic you have to use. Yeah. Only one had completed uh, his degree, their degree, because they were from, you know, okay. a more comfortable family. They studied abroad. So yeah. Everyone here in Bhutan, they didn't really go to college. So it's just like really setting them back. Like, first of all, like, you're not educated, you know, to a certain level to be employable. Then you don't have certain and levels. And then you're being part of a community which, you know, is like going to be you know, look down upon. It's it's yeah. it's a loss for the country if you think about it ultimately. Also. I mean, because right now, it's just a time where we have to understand it first and then yeah. get used to yeah. it. Like, I think we need to, like, we need to, you know, we need to talk about this more, you know. Like, whether it's a talking, good time. Yeah. It's a whether good you're time. talking about this on a podcast, or whether you're talking with your parents or your friends over some drinks, over some shit. No, we need to get this conversation, you know, going. No, at least people know about it. No, then then you can start, yeah. you know, making the decisions. So that's a great thing like, yeah, to talk about. Fundamentally, we are all citizens with rights. So just see how that's being applied to every person around you, and be empathetic and sensitive enough. I mean, don't be a dick at the end of the day. You know, try your best not to be a dick to anyone. Well, in all honesty. In our education system, no. But now we're getting education reform. I don't know how long that will take. But then, then again, mm. we all we grew up in an education system. I think Jeremy, I don't know how long you studied in Bhutan. How long was it? Till I was here till class eight, nine, eight, nine, nine beginning. Know, but that's nine, a very yeah. impressionable age. So we all know, mm. no, like Kinney used to tell me a story that Kinney had a hard time reading because of his eyesight, and Zonko Lebu used to, you know, make fun of him. And then me also, till like class, you know, 11 since then, I, was Zonko, I had to take tuition to my Zonko reading, and writing was very poor. And then my Zonko teachers, instead of supporting, Okay, like I had a few who were supportive, but I also had one asshole who you know, made fun of my zonka all the time. So we had this kind of asshole libis with Sunan and Abe. And it was just like, for me, it was just zonka and Mewkine was reading. But if you're, if you're someone who's like, you can see their flaws and you can point them out, 
Like maybe you have a Pachampa community, you cannot pronounce properly, you make fun of them. If you're some Shashup guy, you cannot pronounce, pronounce properly, again you make fun of them. Now if you're gay or you're obviously a, you know, they're a tomboy or a transgender, you're going to be, if you're going to get that abuse from students is one thing, but from teachers, and we don't have the guidance counselors and all the shit which you see, you know, which we need. So much education system and reform, which is like Ministry of Education, like in personally, in my opinion, is like one of the worst ministries, run ministries in the country. It has to, you know, change from there. I think um, everybody is actually doing their part right now. It's just, it's, it's going to take some time. And I'm, I'm glad with where things are heading, the trajectory of where it's heading. Um, no, much like how we were talking about the copyright thing, you can't also just slam change in one go. It has yeah, exactly. to gradually build. And uh, one of my respondents, she has allowed me to reveal her name in my research as well, is Lishan Seldin. Okay. She's okay. very famous, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so she actually had a lot of support from Ministry of Health and Education because she she's she actually came out and then kind of communicated that she wanted to continue school and not wear a go and all of that. And she was allowed and supported. And um, she has a very great career right now, you know. She's yeah, yeah. been great in entertainment. So I, I also interviewed people from the ministries in my research and all of them have only expressed that they would like to know how to do better, uh, how to address it better. So I, I like that point. Yeah, I think, I don't know how the kids are the, now these days being, you know, like taken care of by the teachers or counselors. But in like when I was in school, you didn't have any counselors there. You had any problems? Were they going through all your other, you know, mental issues, or were they going to identity crisis to guide you? No. So hopefully, okay. I think it, you can start there. I hopefully mm -hmm. class seven they'll go to be. No, and now it's going to be more like, like, like it's going to be a challenging thing, and because now with the internet and how quickly the world is developing, these challenges are going to get exacerbated. It's not going to stay the same, like. These challenges will not be the same today as they, they will be in the next, let's say, two, three years. And for that reason, I think it's very important also that people keep trying to adapt and keep abreast of what's happening, different ways to like tackle these issues. You can't stick to one formula, like one, one research paper that somebody wrote like 10 years ago and expect the thing theory that he wrote, he or she wrote 10 years ago to work right now. You know, like people are going to change, the mindset changes. So you need to again yeah. adapt to that also. I think it's very important. Have a dialogue. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Talk. I think it's most yeah. it's really important. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of transgender people and they are some of the most like they're very accepting for one thing. They're very open. They're very well, those I've spoken to have been very confident. They're very hardworking. They're very hardworking. Yes, they make inappropriate jokes, but who cares? Because I make the same jokes as well. So <laughs> But then that's the thing. No, at the end of the day, they're just people like us, and yeah, that, we start to judge or have no preconceived, you know, notions of them. Mm. Actually, sat down and talk to them, mm. and figure out who they are. Then maybe you can get understanding of where they're coming from. I think if every one of us could just be a little bit more sensitive and empathetic towards anybody that comes close to us <laughs> in our circle, everything will be okay. Like honestly. That, 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 that that's a nice way to end this part, Kinle. Yeah, <laughs> on a nice note. 
Yeah. Good. We're not talking about anything else. Uh, Jimmy, thanks for coming in. And you, you want to thanks for sharing us about all of a range of topics about copyright to gender studies to <laughs> Australian, you know, lingo. Thanks for having me. If this is fun. If you have anything to plug, please, you know, anything to share, you know, something about you, you can just do it now. We can. Uh, yeah, yeah. you should plug your YLM. Oh yeah, guys, you guys should check out uh, YLM Yalama Studio on Facebook and Instagram if you want to see content that's relatable, fun, educational, mm-hmm. and uh, keep being. Song. What about your new song? Is coming out. Check out. Stay tuned for that too, right? Oh yeah, stay tuned for that too. Stay tuned for whatever is going to come up on YLM. So. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Okay. Wrap it up. Yeah. All right. So, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today, Jeremy. It was fun talking to you. I enjoy these sort of conversations quite a bit, and I think Sai does too. <laughs> and yeah, you can uh, please like and uh, if you like the pod, then like, share, subscribe. You know, this is the first time I've ever said that: like, share, and subscribe. Yeah, oh, also one... press the ringing button. Also, apparently, that's great. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um. Press the note. Press the bell icon yeah, to stay notified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, uh, we'll. Uh, we, uh, you can follow Jeremy on her socials. We'll give that down in the description. You. Uh, and you can follow me and Sai. We've got. Uh, it'll be down in the description as well. And hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, lockdown will be over. If not, then. I suppose we'll, we'll catch us again next time with another guest on Google Beat. And yes, subscribe to Junor. Okay. Bye, guys. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.